I, I do a podcast. I'm not, I'm not interested in your podcast. The anathema of God was for those who denied justification by faith alone. When that is at stake, we need to be on the battlefield exposing the air and combating the air. We are unabashedly, unashamedly Clarkian. And so the next few statements that I'm going to make, I'm probably going to step on all of the Vantillian toes at the same time. And this is what we do at Simple Reform on the radio, you know, we are polemical and polarizing Jesus style. I would first say that to characterize what we do as fashion is itself fashion. It's not hate, it's history, it's not fashion, it's the Bible. Jesus said, Woe to you, and men speak well of you, for their fathers used to treat the false prophets in the same way, as opposed to, Blessed are you when you have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness. It is on. We're taking the gloves off. It's time to battle. All right, I want to welcome everybody back to the podcast. My name is Tim, and you are listening to Semper Reformanda Radio. Uh, today is going to be a really great episode because of the guests that I have. I have Ryan Denton in the house with me. He's not in my house, but he's at his house, and we're recording. So, Ryan, how are you doing? Doing fine. Blessed to be on the show again. Well, Ryan, I keep trying to bug you to... Uh, basically replace Carlos and become a co-host. So uh, I'm really glad that you're here, and uh, and I hope to record with you as often as possible. Uh, you you travel a lot, and you travel a lot more than I than I realized at first. Um, and I'd like to just ask you what's uh, what's going on in your neck of the woods. Well, yeah, I usually travel um, at the most. I I try to only travel one week out of the month, um, at the very, at the, at the most, that way I can be home with my wife. And, uh, but the last, uh, last, let's see, last month for two weeks, I was actually in Clovis, New Mexico for, um, probably 16 or 17 days, but it's, it's a little easier because that's my hometown and Tasha's hometown. So we got to stay with family. Tasha got to be with me. So I didn't really, uh, count that towards the week, but, uh, Anyway, so I'm going to Scotland in, in uh, late June and July with Jeremiah Cry and uh, Jeff Rose. And then I think I'll, I should be around uh, for, the rest of the, for the rest of the summer, Lord willing. We'll have, we'll have outreaches in Clovis and also Albuquerque um, here and there, but, but we should be around this area for a while, though. Well, as, uh, as I always say, it's a pleasure to have you on, and, uh, and I hope that when you're here that we can go ahead and record some episodes because I'm just fascinated with your ministry and we're going to get into your ministry. We're going to get into uh, street evangelism and basically what you do full time in a little bit. But um, I wanted to just go ahead and pull from a uh, passage in Romans chapter one. Uh, We're just going to look at verse 15 through 17. And I'm sure that a lot of people are, are familiar with this. Now, um, verse 15 uh, begins, So I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome, for I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. And that's Romans verses, uh, chapter 1, verses 15 through 17. And um, as I was thinking about your ministry, Ryan, I wanted to go ahead and just uh, really focus in on this passage of Scripture, because when I read this, I think of guys like you. Um, You know, it's interesting to me that Paul is writing to a group of believers in Rome while in Corinth on his way to Jerusalem. And uh, some commentators say that this is possibly around the year AD 57. Um, I don't know if we can confirm that, but... Um, we we can look to Acts 20, verse 3, and Romans 15, verses 25 through 29 for that. And while it's unclear as to how the church came to be in Rome, we do know that it consisted of both Jews and Gentile converts. 
Uh, and from the preceding verses in verses 11 through 13, it's clear that Paul has never met these people, that he has never been to this local church. And I think that it's therefore significant that he uh, tells them in verse 15, I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. He's never met these people. Paul, I think, is elevating the gospel to its proper place. And I think that if we were to preach uh, only once in a place, or if we come in contact with somebody only once, we ought to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, we know that Paul would have preached the whole counsel of God if given enough time. For he says to the Ephesian elders, Therefore I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all, for I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. That's Acts 20, verses 26 through 27. Uh, and it was Paul himself who wrote to Timothy that all scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. And so obviously all, all scripture is profitable for teaching. So Paul would have made it an effort to preach the whole counsel of God, to teach everything that God's word has to say. And uh, certainly he would have agreed with Jesus when Jesus quoted from Deuteronomy 8.3 to Satan that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And that's Matthew 4 verse 4. And it's not as if Paul is saying that we ought to neglect other doctrines, but rather we see that Paul has put forth that which is of first importance or that which is of utmost importance, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, this was not unusual for Paul to do this. He wrote to the Corinthians, beginning in verse 1 of chapter 15, he writes, Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand. And then in verse 3, he says, For I delivered to you as of first importance what I received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. And I, I find it interesting, Ryan, that uh, that Paul was eager to deliver the gospel as that which is of first importance to people whom he had never met. And as a street evangelist, as a street preacher, you travel a lot to other churches. You get invites to go to other churches. And um, and I can imagine that you can really relate to what the, what the Apostle Paul is speaking of here, that he's eager to preach the gospel to them. Uh, so can you go ahead and just comment on that? Yeah, I think uh, I th I think in the in the day and age that we live in, I think the emphasis is not on the gospel. The emphasis is on the relationship that you that you build with the person before you share the gospel with them, and that's something that you see, you know, throughout. It's it's not in other words, it's not just the you know the the kind of churches that we look at and 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 kind of just know automatically that they're uh, heretical or that they're they're unsound they're unbiblical but this is happening in churches that uh, most of the American evangelical world would probably say that that they are biblical and sound when you look at their evangelism methods though they the emphasis is on um, trying to uh, trying to be friendly enough, trying to um, be nice enough, trying to have a relationship before you can establish the gospel. It's almost, and, I, and I've heard him say this, Tim, in, in, uh, in a variety of contexts, um, including in El Paso at, the, at UTEP, especially the campus ministries there and, and the campus ministries around the country. That's the kind of evangelism that you see. But it's also coming, I mean, it's, it's not coming from the campus ministries alone. It's coming from from seminaries, this is coming from, uh, and not all of them, but um, most seminaries, uh, most most churches are teaching that it's, it, the gospel is not what needs to be emphasized. Now, I should preface that by saying, if you were to ask them, is the gospel the main thing, they would say, yes, of course it is. But when you actually see what's being done, you would you would realize rather quickly that it's that's that there's no. There's no trust, and I think it is uh, theological, there's no trust in the power of God being used through the gospel. The trust is in the man, the trust is in the speaker. You know, Paul made it a, a very big point that, that he, he did not want to come with any kind of eloquence or, or human wisdom or anything that would attract people to him, but rather he wanted to come in and, and, and just... Um, the simple gospel was enough, and he knew that that's what God uses to save. And I wanted to point out a few other verses, Tim, because um, 
I thought it was fascinating. Scott Smith and I wrote a book on open-air preaching. It's going to be published uh, by Joel Beakey and Reformation Heritage Books. And, and, and when I was writing that book, though, and I was, I was really trying to dig into the scriptures to find out really what Paul's evangelism method was. And, and it is the gospel, like you pointed out. But check this out. So these are other verses that and it's because it's not just in Romans. Uh, this is in Romans 10, 17. He says, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. But, but look at this. So 1 Thessalonians 2, 13, Paul says, for this reason, we also thank God without ceasing, because when you receive the word of God, which you heard from us, you welcomed it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which also effectively works in you who believe. Here's Galatians, Galatians 3.2. He says, did you receive the spirit by the works of the law or by hearing with faith? Ephesians 1.13, in him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Every one of these verses point to the fact that faith came from the people hearing the word of God. Uh, and then, and then at the very end, you know, faith, uh, open air preaching, really all we, and even, you know, pulpit preaching, you know, at times when I, I, you know, only have one time to preach to a church or whatever it is here, here's really the emphasis from Romans 10, 14, how then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And that's really all it is. I, I'm not, you know, I don't. I see, I see guys trying to almost puff up open-air preaching or, or really kind of uh, dramatize it and, and things like that. But really, all open-air preaching is seeking to do is, is get the gospel of Jesus Christ into the ears of people who would probably never darken the door of a church. And at the same time, you're allowed to do that in a, in a, in a way that's, that's uh, on, a, on a wide scale. So you know, it's, it's ideal for crowds of people. And that's all we're trying to do, I mean, because we, we do believe that, that the power of God is in the gospel, and the gospel has to be heard or, or read in a gospel track or, or whatnot. And so, again, I mean, is open-air preaching more effective than one-on-one -on -one evangelism? No, the, the two, they're not in conflict. Is open-air preaching, um, is it more effective than pulpit preaching? Of course not. They're not in conflict. You know, one should not be elevated over the other. They're all used to get the gospel, to get the word of God to people's ears. And what happens next is up to God. Amen. Well, let's, uh, let's talk about this because, um, I follow your ministry and I've seen a lot of, uh, your videos and a lot of times they are confrontational and we've talked about this before, but I want to go ahead and address it again. Um, you pointed out before that the people who oppose you the most are professing Christians and why do you think that is? Can you can you speak to that? Can you maybe give some examples and just tell us what you mean by that? Yeah, um, I think the I think the reason, without a doubt, is is bad theology being taught in church. Um, in other words, it's it's the same argument that you know, in unless put it this way they the, the the comments that we hear most often and we have a in fact it, it happens so often Tim I've, I've written a gospel track for it and uh, it's on our website Christinthewild.com. it's a gospel track for people for Christians and it's called the the title is dear Christian It's for Christians who have you know a problem or a difficulty with with open-air preaching and and there are seven things that we usually hear about and I, w I wish I brought it out but it's on the website but but here i, I know this uh, a few of them that we hear is one open-air preaching pushes people away we hear that quite often uh two we'll hear people say well this isn't the way jesus did it um we hear we hear things like you know you need to you, you need to be loving um things like that and and obviously we would agree with the the last one but but I think what's going on, Tim, is that there's this this idea in the church world that men who are dead in their sin can somehow become more dead, or 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 men who are already hostile in mind towards Christ can somehow become even more hostile in mind. Although I would I would agree that is true as far as being hostile in mind uh, to lesser or greater degrees towards Christ. The problem, though, that I'm seeing is the fact that they're they're not 
They don't know who God is, and they don't know who man is, and they don't know what biblical salvation is, and they don't know what means God uses to save sinners. And, it's, and, and I think it just comes from bad, bad, bad teaching in, in most churches. Not all, but, but in most churches. Yeah, well, and would you then be willing to give a sort of a biblical defense for what it is that you do? Because we do see that a lot of times when you go out, it does lead to confrontation. And I think that what happens is these people, they don't like the confrontation. They're not willing to have the confrontation. And so they look at the one who is delivering the message as the one who's the problem, which is you. And um, we see, you know, that th this is in scripture. I pointed this out before that they stoned Stephen to death when he preached openly in front of everybody. They became so angry with him that they stoned him to death. But would you, uh, would you go ahead and give us a, a, just a biblical defense for your ministry and what you do? Yeah, and, and I want to preface that by saying I would be the first one to admit that I, as as far as open air preaching goes, I've by no means perfected it. Um, I've never had a perfect day out there. Every every day I go out, I come back, and I, you know, I I I I, I really do try to examine myself, and I'm always aware of many many times when I uh, responded in the wrong way. Um, but you know, at the same time, it shouldn't discredit open air preaching at large and and I wanted to uh, I wanted to read something from an interview from 2009 with uh, it was between Paul Washer and a guy named Cameron uh, Butel and and I, I found this on sermon audio but this is what this is what Paul Washer said he says Spurgeon was constantly attacked in his culture for the openness of his faith and the openness of his preaching if you go back to the time of Whitfield and just look at the political cartoons written against Whitfield I mean, he was considered an absolute fanatic, a crazy man. Then he asks why, and then he says, because he preached in the open air. John and Charles Wesley in England, Hal Harris and Daniel Rowland, it has never been with the culture to do open air evangelism. It has always been against culture since the moment the Apostle Paul stood up in that great Colosseum and spoke the word of God. It has always been against culture. And he's, you know, the, the interview um, in that segment was about open air preaching. And, and so he's he's making the, the same point that I would make as far as open air preaching goes. I mean, it's always been a scandal. It's, it's not just in our culture. It's not just on the college campus. It's not just outside of an abortion clinic. Anytime somebody, you know, stands anywhere and opens their mouth um, about God, especially the exclusivity of Christ, there's always going to be a reaction. That's, that's why, you know, when people say, well, um, what's the response or is do, do people ever respond to what you're doing or saying and, and of course they do every time they they see us or hear us there's always a response and every time we preach we lead people to Christ you know that's the other question how many times have you led somebody to Christ when you open air preach well every single time that's what that we're lifting up Christ we and that's again open air preaching biblical open air preaching is trying to exalt Christ it's trying to lift up Christ and uh, and and you know by God's grace, people will be saved. People will come to the cross. Um, but that's his, that's that's the Lord's prerogative. Uh, we're we're just trying to be faithful. But as far as uh, the Bible goes, you know, I mean, it's it's almost like where do you start? Noah was an open air preacher. Um, a lot of people would say Enoch was an open air preacher in the sense that he would he would have preached, and and they didn't have the the buildings and the structures that we have today. So. It must have been done outdoors. Um, let's see, Moses. You know, every, every most of the most of the addresses that Moses would have given were in the open air, and and again, and and one thing to I think is interesting is, you know, when Moses was was getting these um, directions from God in Exodus, and 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 he's on the mountain and God's giving him these very minute details about how everything should be done. If God had desired to establish a ritual for indoor preaching, it, it would have been then. Uh, but but we see that there's there's you know, there's there's no there's nowhere in Scripture that says you can only preach inside. And again, I don't want to. 
you know, I try to be careful because I don't want to exalt open air preaching, but I do want to point out that when you look into the, let's, you know, starting in the Old Testament, most of the addresses, most of the proclamation that's being done in the Old Testament is is outside. And and I mean Jonah, he's in the he's on the streets of Nineveh. You have the prophets Jeremiah, he's in the the gate of the children. He's in the valley. He's preaching. Um, Isaiah, he was preaching outside. Uh, Ezra, Ezra is given the address in the open square in Ezra 10. And then and and so that's the Old Testament. But even when you get to the New Testament, you know if if, if things really don't change, even though then you you start having the synagogue, you start seeing the culture become more you know quote unquote sophisticated and settled. Uh, they're not as nomadic as as the uh, the Old Testament. Um, but but what you see, you have John the Baptist preaching outdoors. You have Jesus sending his disciples out. And, and and presumably, now I don't want to read too much into it, but yes, I'm, I'm assuming they were probably in, inside a lot. And we know they're preaching in synagogues at that time and things like that, like Paul. But at the same time, that's not the only place they're preaching. Uh, and of course, in the parable, one of the, the parable or, you know, one of the several parables that, that open air preachers tend to look at uh, is Luke 14, where Jesus says, go out into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in. That my house may be filled. So things like that. And, and then Acts, you know, Tim, honestly, you know, Acts is the inspired book on evangelism. And when you go through Acts, man, most most of what go, is going on in Acts, it starts in the synagogue. But then what happens is, is you know, you see it in Acts is what happens is when the when the Jews reject the gospel, Paul goes out and and whenever he goes out, man, he's preaching in the open air because that's where the people were, and that's all open air preaching is. Again, it's not like um, it's it's not idolizing this this kind of ministry. It's just saying, look, if there are people there who are milling about, and 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 you can't go to all of them and have one on one conversations, and you know most of them are not going to go to church, what are you going to do? You got to start preaching. So that, that's all it is. That's all we're trying to do. Well, let's dig into this a little bit more. I want to go back to um, to uh, Romans, uh, the verses that I read at the beginning, because it would seem to me, and I don't know everybody's heart, but it would seem to me that a lot of the professing Christians who are opposing you or who oppose you when you're out there preaching and they, they actually come against you, it would seem to me that in some way they're ashamed of the gospel. And I find it interesting because Paul uh, goes on to explain why he desires to preach the gospel to those who are in Rome. He says in verse 16, uh, for I am not ashamed of the gospel. And we should not miss, I think, the significance of this because Paul was a Pharisee of Pharisees. Um, in Philippians 3 verses 4 through 6, we read, if anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day, of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. He was of the line of Benjamin. He was blameless. And this doesn't mean that he was without sin, but rather this means that he was above reproach as uh, in, in the same manner that a pastor or a teacher is supposed to be above reproach that nobody could bring a charge against him to discredit him. Uh, and he was highly educated as a Pharisee and very well respected and revered among his peers. Then what happens? Then he comes to Christ and he lost all of his credit and status before men and before the world. And to the wise of the world, he became a fool. For to the wise of this world, the gospel is foolish, as it says in 1 Corinthians uh, 1.18, Yet Paul was not ashamed or embarrassed about the message of Jesus. And I think, Ryan, I think that we really need to grab hold of this and we really need to rally behind the Apostle Paul here because there are many ways in which the enemy may try to silence us. And one of those ways is through persecution of a physical nature or another way could be uh, through ridicule or uh, personal shaming. And we need to consider this very deeply and not say to ourselves that we can't be tempted to be ashamed of the gospel. 
Now, we know the story of Peter when he denied the Lord three times and then Jesus restores him. But there was another time when Peter acted in a way that was inconsistent with his profession of faith. And I talked about this on uh, the uh, one of the episodes I, I did in which I talked about homeschooling. Uh, I pointed this out that Peter acted in a way that was inconsistent with his profession of faith. And Paul had to oppose him to his face. Uh, in Galatians chapter 2, verses 11 through 14, we read, But when Cephas, that would be Peter, came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face, because he stood condemned. For before certain men came to Jesus, he was eating with the Gentiles. But when they came, he drew back and separated himself, fearing the circumcision party. And the rest of the Jews acted hypocritically along with him, so that even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. But when I saw that their conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas before them all, If you, though a Jew, live like a Gentile and not like a Jew, how can you force the Gentiles to live like Jews? So Peter gave in to peer pressure. Peter acted in a way that he was ashamed of, of the gospel and he was ashamed of eating with the, the Gentiles. And that's why he separated himself from them. And Paul had to confront him directly to his face. And um, I think that Paul was certainly aware of the temptation one might face in this area because Paul tells Timothy not to be ashamed. He writes, Therefore do not be ashamed of the testimony about the Lord, nor of me his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. And that's Second Timothy uh, verses 1 through 8. So when somebody is out there preaching the gospel like you, if you're a Christian, you should rejoice and you should offer support and you should offer your voice in 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 support of that individual and, and i'll just note that i think uh it's clear from galatians chapter 1 verse 6 that to be ashamed of the gospel or to um is to be ashamed of christ and his words um we read in verse 6 of galatians chapter 1 i am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of christ and are turning to a different gospel so by turning to a different gospel they were deserting him they were deserting christ uh and jesus gives us a warning in luke 9 verse verses 26 he, he writes for whoever is ashamed of me and my words of him Will the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in his glory and the glory of the Father and of the holy angels? So we need to we need to ask how we might be tempted to be ashamed of the gospel. If you're a Christian out there, uh, I think that you need to consider how, how might you be tempted to be ashamed of the gospel. And I think that it's it's important to to realize that none of us are exempt from this temptation to be ashamed of the gospel. Uh, I see this a lot of times uh, because I work with a bunch of guys in the fire department and men, I, I've seen them um, exhibit, um, you know, that they're ashamed of the gospel because it appears to be weak. Um, college students, Ryan, you're, you're out there with a bunch of college students. And, and I, I know I, I've talked to Christians who are in college and they, they struggle because they think that the gospel appears anti-intellectual or they, they think the Bible appears to be anti-intellectual. And I've seen them, uh, just offer up compromising answers to try to sound intelligent rather than just saying what the Bible says. Uh, especially when people ask them, so you believe in, you know, Genesis, you believe in a six day creation, you believe this and that, and they don't know how to answer these things. Um, and you know, the youth, uh, people who are younger, they might be tempted to be ashamed of the gospel because it's just not cool enough, or it's not, it's, it's not what's trending on social media, obviously, <laughs> you know, but, uh, Ryan, would you, would you say that these professing Christians are in some way showing that they're ashamed of the gospel? And if so, can you go ahead and speak on that? Yeah, uh, I think without a doubt they're they're ashamed. And and again, I want to preface that by saying, as you as you've been saying, I think we all know what that is like. And uh, and and I mean the many 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 times that in our own lives that that you know, we, we knew that we should have shared the gospel with so-and-so, or, or we saw the door, it was wide open, and we knew that the Lord had given us a, a great opportunity, and we kept our mouth shut, or 
or uh, for whatever reason we we became timid and, and softened it or, or whatever it might be and so I want to say it with uh, with with grace you know that this is this is certainly a, a problem I, I do and, and that's the other thing you know I mentioned theological um, the problem I, I think the major problem is theological but of course I think on the other end I think that the fact that we do struggle and wrestle with our flesh every day um, even as as somebody who who open air preaches you know again I mean I'll, I'll, I'd be the first to admit I, I have fallen so short when it comes to evangelism and just all the different times that that um, I've been unfaithful and 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 so I, I try you know it, it just grieves me so badly when when you when you talk about strategies and when you talk about schemes and when you have when you have different things that that almost come to uh, it, it's really a distraction but it's in a sense the the way people try to justify it is well this is going to open the door to share the gospel now that's true I, I agree with that 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 you know in other words we shouldn't necessarily just go right into especially like a one-on-one -on -one situation and just maybe necessarily just just bulldoze somebody with the gospel but rather you know in just a conversational way a natural way uh, uh, almost uh, an organic way just just you know prayingly ask the Lord in the midst of this conversation to to open a door for a gospel conversation that that that's that's one thing that's on on the one hand but on the other hand what I see and this is the problem that I think needs to be addressed because it is true that the theology is awful for the most part in American Christianity. It is true that every one of us as Christians battle with our own fear of man. But but here's the thing. When you deliberately attempt to suppress the gospel in order to elevate some other kind of scheme because you feel like you have to appease the carnality of man before you can bring the gospel in that's that's where you're talking about something that's that's um, shameful in the sense of of somebody ashamed of the gospel and it's like Tim it's like Galatians I think Galatians is a great book especially towards the end Paul's talking to these people and he's saying that you have removed the stumbling block of the cross because it was offensive to basically those around you and you knew that if you stood for what the gospel actually is that you would be persecuted for it and so I see Galatians in a sense um, I think it can be applied to our evangelism culture today which is saying I don't want to be persecuted I don't want to be like you said made fun of or seem seem to be somebody who's 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 less of an intellect or or you know less of a cool guy because I believe in the gospel so I'm going to try to remove the offense of it I'm gonna to try to defang the gospel and what you do is, is is what I mean how does Paul begin Galatians he warns them twice about different gospels right you know he warns them twice and he, he says let let them be an anathema yeah so it's very dangerous it's a very sad situation it, it, it's man you want to talk about you know the anger of God you know against how we do some of these things and people I don't know if most Christians are are really taking evangelism seriously well I think you're absolutely right in everything that you said and I think that I want to make a pitch here to Christians that we really need to rally behind Paul and uh, we also need to rally behind guys like you and not be ashamed of the gospel and here's why. First, God has made foolish the reasoning of this world. In verses uh, 19 through 20 of 1 Corinthians chapter 1, we read, For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and the discernment of the discerning I will thwart. Where is the wise one? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world, or of the world? Uh, so every philosophy in, in history has been destroyed. Uh, the Christian has really nothing to fear from the secular elites. Um, if you if you dig into the Christian worldview and you you begin to understand the Christian worldview, you're going to be able to defend the Christian worldview over and against any other worldview, because the Christian worldview is the only one that that is logical, it's consistent, and can 
answer all the questions of life. As uh, my Ventilian friends would say, it, it answers or, or it uh, satisfies the preconditions of intelligibility. So there, that made me sound smart. But secondly, the gospel, and you've pointed this out before, the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. It is through faith alone and the finished work of Christ alone that God appropriates the righteousness of Christ to us and makes us alive in Christ. And and one thing that, that you, you, you mentioned a little while ago that I want to get back to is that the message of the gospel itself is the offense to the to the unregenerate man that itself is the is the offense so in order to avoid offending people you're going to have to change the message itself and when you do that you remove the power of god unto salvation um, you're, you're going to you're going to alter the message and you're going to appeal to something else. You're 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 going to become ineffective, and so um, now we we do know that there are people out there who are doing this wrong. You know the Westboro Baptist people. Uh, we're not going to advocate for their for what they're doing or what they're saying, but uh, we shouldn't lump everybody in. In, in the same camp and just say all street preachers are therefore bad. But let's, let's talk about this because we've mentioned being ashamed of the gospel, uh, seeing persecution by, by personal shaming. Um, and there's other reasons as to why somebody might be afraid to share their faith openly or publicly. And, and, uh, there's other forms of persecution that one might face. And, as a matter of fact, because you do this full-time and professionally, you have really experienced, I think, a lot of uh, persecution that might come towards somebody in the United States. Now, I don't, I don't know if, uh, if anybody's threatened to kill you. Um, I know in other countries that would be a very real threat. But um, I do know that you were, you were recently arrested in El Paso, Texas, um, and, um, can you go ahead and, and speak on that? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we never intentionally try to get arrested. Like you said, we, we, uh, try to know where we can and can't preach or, um, things like that. I, when I got arrested, it was just a matter of, of being in downtown El Paso and we had just started, I think I was probably 30 minutes in, and, and uh, there was a crowd that started to gather, which was kind of unusual for, for a downtown city scene like that, but there was a crowd that started to gather, and um, somebody called the police, and the police came out, and uh, I, I really do think that the police just felt pressured by the crowd to, to remove us. Uh, we'd been told to preach where we were preaching on, on several occasions, and, and so uh, I, I was tried to share that with the officer at the time and and I, I thought I didn't think things were were going to lead to that uh, before I knew it I was in handcuffs and they took me into a separate room and, and started uh, questioning me and at the same I mean honestly everything was was more or less really civil between myself and the police officers uh, for the most part but uh is, is they were waiting on a security guard to get the okay from somebody else. I don't I don't know exactly what what happened, but when the security guard he came back and nodded to the police officers and they said, okay, well we're gonna have to take you in. And so they they took me in, they booked me. Um, there's there's a few other details. I'm still waiting to I I mean the, there I have attorneys from California that are representing me pro bono so I, I appreciate that pacific justice and and by the way if you're a street preacher out there i would highly recommend them to you they they are one of the most uh uh just effective and pro street preaching law firms that i've ever heard of so that's pacific justice but uh they've been great i don't know exactly um what's going on as far as on the el paso city side but i know I, it looks hopeful they might dismiss it they might not but um, that yeah, that happens. Have you uh, have you been to court yet? Yeah, I've been to court. Uh, let's see, last week was the fifth time that I've been to court that I've made an appearance in court. Okay, and what what's developed from that? Well, there's uh, some some conferences behind the scenes between my attorneys and um, the DA's office, and and really that's kind of been the gist of it, and just trying to 
get some paperwork done and get get paperwork through and things like that. So it's it's been a slow process, but uh, I saw I saw some progress the last last week though for the first time. Hmm. So that was that was helpful. Well, we're definitely going to be praying for you that uh, that God would take care of that for you. And there's another thing that happened to you. The the school was trying to shut you down. Is that right? The uh, school at UTEP. Right. Oh, yeah. Hey, brother. That's that's been a that's been a that's been a jungle out there. I'm so this this coming semester will be my second straight year. Um, this will be my fourth semester being at UTEP and preaching more or less like three or four times a week on that campus and, and, and right in the heart of it too. So we, I mean, it's, we've had to jump hoops, uh, you know, just all kinds of things. Yeah. I've had, I've had seven or eight allegations against me. I had, uh, the, the latest was the UTEP, um, office of student, what are they called? Office of Student Something. Anyways, uh, student conduct. That's what it is. So they, the the lady there, determined that that uh, she was going to put me on disciplinary probation for for I guess um, causing a noise disturbance to somebody in an office building across from where we preach. So anyway, so uh, again, by God's grace, there was an attorney in Dallas who was willing to to represent me in this, and he came down and and I challenged their decision and and. Uh, and so the the UTEP UTEP used one of their own faculty members to kind of oversee it and be the judge of the of the case, and so he heard both sides. We we had to bring in witnesses, everything. I think I had five witnesses. The other side had had three. Uh, I mean, it was it was quite an ordeal. And at the end of it, the judge, the faculty member, the judge determined that UTEP was in the wrong for trying to discipline me and. That was dropped, and that's how all of them have been. All of them have been dropped. All the allegations. So to this, I mean, as it stands, I'm scots free, and I'm I'm uh, looking forward to going out there next semester and preaching. But it it's been crazy, man. It really has. So this has happened seven times. Yeah, I want to say uh, seven seven allegations, but only one time has it gone to the point where they uh, they wanted to discipline me, and that was overturned. So wow. And uh, you were supposed to debate somebody right. at UTEP, right. and uh, they censored that. They they tried to shut you down. <laughs> they certainly did, and that was kind of neat. I, and so they offered to uh, – so this was the Student Government Association at UTEP. They sent me an email, and I, I was honestly surprised to, to be invited, but they invited me to participate in a de- debate on religion and science with uh, other, you know, quote-unquote religious – um, people on the campus. And, and so, so yeah, they, the, when they made it public, I guess there was an, just an uproar, uh, as far as a few students, you know, it's usually the, the, the noisy, um, in this case, I want to say not minority necessarily, but it certainly wasn't unanimous as far as people being upset that UTEP was giving me a platform to stand up for, uh, you know, somebody who believes the Bible, who preaches the Bible on their campus. A lot of students were upset with that. In fact, parents were calling in and asking why UTEP was was allowing the person who preaches there a platform to express his views in, in this kind of setting. So within eight hours of making that public, they actually canceled the whole debate. So, oh, wow. Yeah, that's wow. – that's, but, you know, the colleges these days are a zoo. That's why, that's why we go out there with the gospel. I mean, it is a dark, nasty place. Man, shame on those people who had their mommies and daddies calling to complain. Uh, you're in college now. <laughs> you're going to be wait until you get into the workforce. You're going to be surrounded by people who have a different opinion than you. And your mommy and your daddy are not going to be able to call and and make it go away. <laughs> so that's that's really unfortunate uh really we do see this happening a lot in colleges where they're trying to censor certain ideas and uh and they really just come against certain people and they they want to take away the opportunity for these people to share their ideas and we see this happening all over the United States and it's really uh it's really a, a dishonor to to what college is supposed to be but um Ryan if somebody wanted to do what you do, if they wanted to maybe learn some stuff, there's a there's a, 
a guy by the name of Bill Adams, and I wanted to go ahead and plug this. And, and you, you know more about this than I do, so I'm going to ask you to speak to this. But Mr. Adams sent me this, this link, and it's uh, the George Whitfield program. And uh, basically, if you want to learn how to uh, do street evangelism, full-time street evangelism, or if you want to get some training in homiletics, you can go to uh, this website, and we're going to we're going to put up the website on the show notes. Um, but it's a training week eighteen George Whitfield program. Can you go ahead and uh, just tell us a little bit about what that is and and how people can get this training? Yeah, so Bill Adams, I I, I love Bill Adams. He was the first the first guy that I reached out to as far as networking with open air preachers and. And uh, I, I would say, so it's not only the George Whitfield program that Bill does. Bill, Bill Adams has events throughout the year, and they are excellent ways to, on the one hand, uh, just meet other guys that are open-air preaching. And, and um, you know, this is a ministry that can often be very discouraging, like any ministry. Um, but it's, it's, you know, at times we do feel isolated because, uh, you know, there's opposition from Christians and opposition from seems like everybody at times um so so it is really refreshing to meet other guys out there to know that that you're not the only one and so i would say on the one hand he does a really good job bringing uh like-minded as far as ministries go um, as far as open-air preachers go he does a great job bringing uh, that kind of group together and also he it's nice because he has events uh the way he does it is is the events are set up around major sporting events and so they're going to be you, you you'll have you'll have one wherever you live that's going to be near you sometime during the year and so um his, his ministry is called sports fans outreach international and i think it's sfoi.org and you can get on there and you can check out the calendar and the events uh, everything that's that's coming up for for the whole year uh he does a great job organizing and and on the other hand uh he does a great job is it those are great outreaches for getting your feet wet with with open air preaching or, or just even street evangelism it's a great way to do it because again you're surrounded by other guys who are doing it and it makes it it just it, it just helps you to be able to sense if this is what the lord's calling you to do or it helps you to to you know, pick up some things from other guys. It, it it's just in a lot of ways it's very beneficial. And so I would definitely encourage anybody who's starting out or not really sure if if they want a street priest. That's a great way to do it. Just find out one of uh, one of these events. And then the George Whitfield program, though, I think the training, if I'm not mistaken, Tim, isn't it this coming week, next week, late or third week in June or something like that? Yes, let me uh, let me go ahead and read this. Uh, the George Whitfield program is conducting its annual training this week, uh, June 18th through the 22nd. The training is designed to provide a foundation of fruitful practical tools to facilitate your perseverance in the work of an evangelist. To apply, contact Bill Adams at either bill, B-I-L-L, at S-F-O-I dot org, and uh, and you can go ahead and register, and uh, you can contact Bill. But yeah, th- this is going to be uh, on the 18th through the 22nd. Um, so we'll be putting this episode up uh, very soon, so our listeners can get all the information and contact Bill if uh, if you want to uh, get this training or if you if you want to find out more information. And and that's in Tennessee too. Is the training's in Tennessee? So. And, and, and again, if you're not close to Tennessee and you're still interested, I would still definitely check out some of the events. He has a big one, the Super Bowl outreach every year. And, uh, and I've been to, I've been to two of them. Last year's was in, uh, Minneapolis, Minnesota in January. So hmm. I was, I was, uh, wise enough to stay in El Paso. <laughs> huh. Well, but, uh, but yeah, he, he's a great brother. I love Bill. He, he, and you know what? Man, we used to pray together every Friday and just really, I mean, he's a guy that will pour into you and he is, he's a neat guy. He really is. Well, great. You know, maybe we should uh, invite Bill to come onto the show and uh, get to know a little bit more about what he does because uh, I'd love to promote him and, and, and just, I love what you guys do. But Ryan, let me ask you, uh, is there anything else that you want to share before we close out this episode? 
just um, another resource for guys that are interested in open air preaching is the uh, we back to the book. Um, so Scott Smith and I wrote a book. It's called A Certain Sound, a primer on reformed open air preaching, and it's it's uh, it's unapologetically reformed um, as far as our our stance on open air preaching, and 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 it explains why theology reformed theology is so important. When it comes to evangelism, but uh, but anyways, it's it's I mean it's it's addressed to it's written to guys that are first starting out, and it's also written to guys um you know who might who might just wonder about open air preaching and kind of you know they might have some doubts about it, but at the same time they're not they're not so sure that it's bad and and just trying to figure this stuff out. That's that's really what we uh what we wrote it for and 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 I tell you we were really impressed with uh, Re- Reformation Heritage books. You know that's a they they publish a lot of academic, very high theological kind of stuff, and so I, we we thought it was kind of neat that they're they're willing to um, to take a book like you know on open air preaching of all things, and and to try to market that. So I, th- you know, uh, we're really really blessed by that. But but that's another resource if you're interested in open air preaching. That'll I don't know when it'll be out. I'm assuming sometime in the fall, so you can look for that also. Well, yeah, that's that's exciting. Um, we're gonna have to interview you about the book, and uh, hopefully, uh, maybe we could even uh, maybe have a contest where some somebody can win a copy of the book. But um, yes, yes, Ryan, I I really appreciate uh, you sharing that, and I really appreciate uh, you coming on the the podcast today. So hopefully, hopefully, we're going to record with you again sometime in the near future. We've sure. got a lot that we can talk about. We uh, got apologetics that we can talk about. Um, Ryan, were you able to, to listen to the episode that I did with Tom Geoditis? No, I have not yet. No, I have seen it up though. Yeah, it's a really good episode. Um, I, I'd like to talk about morality and uh, maybe uh, maybe you could help me out with that because uh, I, I know that you, you deal with that issue quite a bit. But anyways, uh, that's going to be it for us today. Again, thank you, Ryan. Thank you, too. And uh, I want to say thank you to all of our listeners. And um, please check out the other podcasts on Thorn Crown Ministries. We have Radio Lux Lucid, and we have uh, The Protestant Witness with Pastor Patrick Hines. So, all right. Uh, God bless. Hello, this is Tom Juditis, president of the Trinity Foundation. Thank you for listening to Semper Reformanda Radio. For more information on the Trinity Foundation, please visit our website at www.trinityfoundation.org. There you can read, download, and or print over 300 articles or listen to over 200 MP3 audio lectures and check out our over 65 titles of books and other media. And if you are between the ages of 16 through 25, you can enter our 2018 Christian Worldview Essay Contest on the topic of the book, The Emperor Has No Clothes, Richard B. Gaffin Jr.'s Doctrine of Justification, by author Stephen Cunha. Thank you, and remember, the Bible alone is the Word of God.